Have you ever in your life felt unforgivable? Really interesting. Uh, last week, I, I saw a blog that, um, that caught my eye. It said, what do you do when you've done something so bad that you do not deserve forgiveness? And as I, as I read down through this blog, I was stunned by how many people responded with this deep sense of guilt and shame inside about things in their past that were still haunting them. And uh, lots and lots of people commented. I, I just want to read to you some of, their, some of their responses to this. One person said, I did something horrible, and I'm haunted by it every single day. I feel like such a bad person and so guilty. What can I do? Another person said, I, I did some horrible things way back when I was young, and now those thoughts just keep coming back to me. How do I get rid of this? It's killing me. Another person was talking about the, the being able to forgive themselves, and it said, how is it possible to forgive yourself for something that you personally believe is unforgivable? Another person said, I've done some really bad things. In fact, some days I just want to die, but I can't. So what should I do? One lady wrote, she said, you know, I've thought about this a lot the last two years. She goes, I've done some unforgivable things and waves of shame and pain and guilt wash over me because I can't take back what I've done and I've no real way of conveying how deeply sorry I really am. You know, as I read down uh, through this list of response after response of persons, of people crying out from the heart about this guilt and shame that, that they were carrying, uh, it, it just, I just wanted to shout into this article, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Now look at me, because this is the heart of the message today. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done or how long you've done it. God's grace is greater than all our sin. God's grace is greater than all our sin. Would you say that out loud with me? God's grace is greater than all our sin. And if you've struggled with guilt in your past, and if you've struggled with some of these things in your own life, then today's message is for you. In this series, we've been talking about faces of hope. And each week, we're looking at a story of someone who encountered Jesus, and they found hope from a different perspective. And today, I want to talk about redeeming hope. I want to talk about a guy that you would think is unforgivable, but he discovered God's great redeeming hope that he offered him. You ready? You can take your sermon outline out of your worship folder if you want to track along with me or if you want to doodle to keep yourself awake, whatever, whatever works for you this morning. I want you to take a look at a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 23, uh, verses 39 to 43. We'll throw it up on the screen for you so you can track with me. This is the story in Luke 23. If you remember, Jesus has been uh, arrested he has been convicted as a criminal, and now they have nailed him to a cross, 
And in humiliation, they've not only have nailed him to a cross, but they've nailed two other criminals on either side of him. And here's what happens. It says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Listen to this. And then this criminal says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, read it out loud with me, church. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. What a great story of redeeming hope. When I sat with this story this week, and I was asking God just to help me see it with fresh eyes and, and help me see some things and hear some things that might help all of us in embracing that redeeming hope. I felt like God gave me some really good thoughts, and I want to share them with you. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. It hit me right off the bat. It, you have to let go of pride to take hold of grace. You have to let go of pride to take hold of grace. You remember at the beginning of the story, when they were hung, it said that the, the criminal on one side, it says, and he turned to Jesus, and what did he do? He scoffed. He scoffed. Even there in the last moments of his life, he was still, he was still this proud man who was not going to admit that he had a need for anybody or, or anything. And as I was reading the passage this week, I was thinking, holy cow, isn't that the problem that we all have? You know, Andrew Murray says in his book, he said, you know what? That pride, uh, the humility is the root of all virtue and that pride is the root of all sin. And isn't it a fact that that root of sin kind of makes its way all through our life? Come on, it's just us. We're just, we're just doing group therapy this morning, okay? It's just us. How many of you be honest enough to admit that at least someplace in your life along the way, pride has caused problems for you? Anybody? Yeah. All, everybody's raising their hand except the ones who are too proud to raise their hands. Yeah, it's just, that's kind of the way to, I, I started to think about it because pride... Pride causes problems in so many ways. I started thinking back across my own journey of faith. I was thinking about uh, in sports, you know, how you, you, know, you, I, you can get yourself in so much trouble and how much I got myself in trouble, you know, being, being proud and, and trying to show off and all that kind of stuff. I thought about, you know, how it, it, pride comes up in school and how pride comes up at work and, and how pride comes up in, you know, in our home. Pride, it gets in the way so many ways. Look, look at the passage of Scripture, Proverbs 16, 18. I love this. It's so true. You've probably heard this before, but read it out loud with me. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Bring pride up close now. How many of you that that how many of you are married or have been married at some point? And how many of you would understand this that pride gets in the way sometimes in our marriages? Amen. It does. I, I love one of my favorite stories is the story of the, these two guys that were talking at work. And uh, the one guy's telling the other guy, he said, yeah, my wife and I got into this really bad spat last night. And his friend says, oh, yeah? And he said, yeah. He said, 
Yeah, my wife got on something and said, I went back at her and said, man, we just, we just really, really had it out. And he goes, wow, how did it end up? And the guy said, well, it ended up with my wife crawling to me on her hands and knees. And his friend said, really? So what did she say? He said, she said, come out from under that bed, you coward. <laughs> how many of you men understand this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's pride. You know, that's pride at work. That's, you know, that's, that's what it does. And pride is what gets in the way in our relationship with God. Pride is what causes so many problems for us. In fact, I, I love what, what James says in James 4, 6 on your outline. He says, and he gives grace, how? Generously, as the scriptures say, read it with me, church. God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Now, I, when I camped on that this week, I, I started thinking again about my own journey of faith and people that I have walked with. And, and I identified so many ways that, that pride gets in the way. Pride, you can track, this is on your outline. Pride, pride prevents the help of God. Pride prevents the help of God. You know, have you ever been in a place in your life where you've needed help? but you were too proud to ask for it. We do that a lot. I, I love what Jesus says in the scripture. He says, ask and what will happen? You will receive. Seek and what will happen? You will find. Knock, what will happen? The door will be open to you. Over and over again, uh, God tells us in scripture that he is more than willing to meet us where we are and to help us with whatever's going on in our life. But we have to have the humility to ask for that help. Man, pride also prevents the guidance of God. Prevents the guidance of God. You know, God offers to help direct our lives. God offers to help prepare our steps into the future. But how often are we, we too proud for that? Come on, come on again. It's just us. How many of you have ever been lost before or, or went way past where you should have been all because you were just too proud to stop and ask for directions? Anybody ever do that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, you know, we want to we wanna be able to do this on our own. Um, my, uh, our, our granddaughter, Jolie, 12 years old. And, uh, it's so funny. She's autistic and she has a little bit of a hard time sometimes, uh, you know, kind of manipulating things with her motor skills. And we have this uh, new TV that we got uh, a short while back. And it's a TV is like, you know, operating a television now is like trying to fly a plane. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it can do everything. And it's got this remote control that, you know, you're trying to figure out what all it does. And, and I was trying to, Jolie was trying to get to her, 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 one of her shows. And she was having a real hard time. And she was getting frustrated. And I reached out to, I said, here, baby, I'll help you. And she goes, myself, myself. It's like, okay, well, I heard that loud and clear, you know. And that's it. He says, I don't, I don't want your help. I don't want your guidance. I want to do it by myself. And that's that human pride. And pride prevents the forgiveness of God. Pride prevents the forgiveness of God. Don't you find it interesting? Here's Jesus on a cross and a criminal on either side. And the only difference between the two was one man wouldn't lay down his pride 
to seek the forgiveness that Jesus could bring. You know, 1 John 1, verse 8 says, If you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. If you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, when the Bible says all, how many of you think that might mean you? Yeah. Yeah, how many of you are sure it's the person next to you? You know that. Yeah, we got that down. Well, you know, John says, you know, if, if, you, if you say you have no sin, you're just kidding yourself. You're just fooling yourself. But here's what he goes on to say. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at me. Don't miss this. I don't care who you are, what you've done, how far from God you've run. If you're willing to confess your sin to God with a broken heart, God will forgive you no matter what. You just have to lay down the pride. Amen? You bet. Let me give you a second thought that hit me out of the story. We need to remember this. Remember that confessing the sin does not erase the consequences. Remember that confessing the sin does not erase the consequences. Back to the story, the thief who scoffs. Remember what he says to Jesus? If you're really the Christ, what should you do? Get us out of here. If you're really God, if you could really do what you say you can do. He didn't, he didn't care about his heart. He didn't care about where he was in relationship with God. All he wanted was out of the predicament that he was in. If you're really the Christ, Get us down off of this cross. And when I read that, it hit me. Isn't that what we often want? It, it, often when, when we find ourselves dealing with the consequences of, of our behavior, when we find ourselves dealing with the consequences of our sin, how often do we fall before God? But it's not really rightness with God that we want. It's getting out of the mess that we're in. That's what we want. Now, look at me. I want, I, want, I want to be honest with you. God is willing to forgive you of your sin, and I don't care what you've done. But that doesn't mean he's going to fix the mess that you made. Life has consequences to it. This man was hanging on a cross, and Jesus wasn't going to get him off the cross. And I, As I processed that, I thought, you know, here's something even more important than that. God's grace doesn't always fix your circumstances, but it can fix you. It can fix you. There's a, um, a young man that I know. When he was a, a young teenager, he uh, got into drugs and along the way, of course, when you get into go down that path, you got to find a way to support your habit. And he um, started stealing money from from people that he knew, and that eventually led him to stealing from people that he didn't know. And the the deeper his habit went, the more bold and brazen he became, and the crimes he committed, and ended up breaking into homes and stealing from people. And eventually, as these things happened, he got caught. And he ended up getting sentenced to jail to 20 to 30 years. 
in prison, this young man came to Christ. And it's been remarkable watching the turnaround from the young man that he used to be to the young man that he has now become. And now through several years now of him being behind bars, it's been interesting to watch how God has worked in his life, not only forgiving him for what he did, but he started going to a recovery group and dealing with his addictions and found freedom from that. And and as he found freedom, he decided he wanted to start leading recovery groups, and he actually became the head of the recovery group that he was in, in, in the prison where he was at. And um, last, wasn't long, not long ago, he was moved from the prison that he was in to a different prison, and there in the new prison, he started up a, a, a recovery group again, and again, God began to gather men who wanted to find freedom from the things that got him in there in the first place. And what's been wild is to watch how God has used this young man behind bars. Now, I know that if he had his desire, he would ask God to just get him out of prison and, and you know, erase the penalty for what he had done. Uh, but so far, that hasn't happened, though God does sometime intervene. But in the midst of his circumstances, God is using him to help other men find freedom. Look at me. Don't miss this. This is so huge. You see, this young man, once coming to God, could, you know, could immediately get mad at God and say, well, if you're really there, Lord, and you really love me, why don't you get me out of here? But God's not about the business of trying to fix what's around us. God is about the business of trying to fix what's within us. And I'm not going to tell you today that if you confess to God what you've done, that you may not have to suffer for what you did, because you may. God doesn't always fix the circumstances, but he does do something beautiful. He can fix you. He can fix you. Let me give you a third thought. You don't need the right words to be forgiven. You just need the right heart. You don't need the right words to be forgiven. You just need the right heart. When I was reading the story, it hit me how the man who cried out to Jesus, what he said. Do you remember what he said? Jesus, remember me. Remember me. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus honored that prayer. I I love this. Don't miss this. When I read that, all of a sudden, I flashed back to when I was growing up in the church, and everything was about saying the right words. You know, if you if you say the right words, then that's that's what that's what really matters. And you know, you you need to say it this way. You need to you need to you need to you know confess your sins this way, and you need to invite Jesus into your heart this way. And if you say this phrase and this phrase and this phrase, then that's that's what that's what causes God to forgive your sins. Look at me. That's not true. God's not concerned with the words that are coming out of your mouth. He's concerned with the attitude of your heart. Amen. Oh, you'll get this. Let me, let me make it simple for you. How many of you have, have, have kids or have had kids? And just want to publicly apologize. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did this. Um, have you ever tried to make a kid apologize? Come on. Have, anybody ever do this? Where, where your son or daughter does something to a sibling particularly? 
And you, you know, you, you get them and you, you know, you take them in. And what do you say? What do you do? What do you do to them? What do you tell them? Say what? Say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. And what does the kid say? I'm sorry. Look at me. It's just, it's, are they really sorry? No. No. It's like we're reinforcing this. You know, you don't have to admit, you just have to, you just have, because we want, we're trying to teach them to do the right thing. But here's the deal. It's not the words, you get this. It's not the words that people say to you. It's the heart that you sense from them that heals what's happened. Does this make sense? And it's the same with God. Jesus didn't care about the words. He looked at this man's heart, and here's a man dying for a sin, and he says, Jesus Remember me. Remember me. I love what Paul says in Corinthians. Talk about words. He says, you know what? Godly sorrow brings repentance. What's that mean? That means when you feel the sadness in your heart that God feels, that's what really causes you to confess and turn around. Psalm 51, 17, Jesus, or David says it really, really well. Read it out loud with me. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Now, why this is so important is for any of us who have some stuff that's there that we want to confess to God. Don't get hung up about, I, I just don't know exactly what to say. Don't worry about the words. Ask yourself this, do I really come to God with a broken heart? Because a broken and repentant heart, God will never reject. That's why I put on your outline, God understands your heart when your mouth just can't find the words. Let me give you one more. No matter what your yesterday was like, God has a new today. No matter what your yesterday was like, God has a new today. When I was reading the story, I was thinking about those thieves that were hanging on the cross beside Jesus. And I was thinking about that guy, the guy who cried out. And I, my thought was this when, when they nailed him to that cross, when they nailed that thief to that cross, what do, you, what do you think was going through his mind? And I wondered as he was hanging there. And he realizes, I'm, I'm going I'm to die now for the things I did. I, I wonder if his mind started to go back to all of those crimes he had committed. And I wondered if he began to see the faces of people that he robbed or killed, and began to remember instances of the things that he did wrong. I wondered if as he hung there, if all of his yesterdays came to mind. And don't you love it? As all of these yesterdays filled his mind and overwhelmed him with shame, he says to Jesus, remember me. And don't, don't you love it? Jesus didn't talk to him at all about yesterday. He said, 
today. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Look at me. Please don't miss this. There are some of us that I promise you the enemy has been whispering in your head over and over again. You'll never be able to be what God wants you to be because of all of these yesterdays. But I'm going to tell you that all of these yesterdays can be set aside by the grace of God. And Jesus is willing to give you a brand new today. Amen. I love what Paul wrote in Corinthians. Read it with me. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Several years ago in Phoenix, we were doing a, a baptism and baptizing several people that day. And there was a man um, that I was baptizing. He was 73 years old. And uh, his name was Carl. And Carl had had a really hard life. He had been raised up in a very uh, hard, difficult home. Uh, if I remember right, it was with an alcoholic father and a lot of stuff that was going on. And so he grew up very rough. He grew up uh, with a lot of baggage and came into life, uh, into his adult years, very angry and uh, did a lot of wrong things, said a lot, a lot of wrong things, and, and just lived a, a pretty, pretty horrible life. But at 73, God broke through. And at 73 years of age, this man came to me, and I had the privilege of leading him to Christ. And, and then on that particular day, I stood in a tank full of water, and I, I, baptism, I baptized him as we kind of recognized the, the old guy was buried and the new guy had now come to life. And I'll never forget when I, I pulled Carl up out of the water. And he's shaking the water off and he's wiping his face and people are applauding. I gave him a big hug. And Carl squeezed me. He whispered in my ear. And he said, I don't know why I waited so long to do this. That's a great question. You don't have to wait till you're dying on a cross. You don't have to wait till you're 73 years old. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. Amen. Rachel, come on up. Just a moment, Rachel is going to lead us in a, in a song, and we're going to have the chance to share in communion together. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to go ahead right now and take your communion cup out and you want to begin to pull back the cellophane. Let me. That way you won't have to mess with it when the time comes. Go ahead and take the little wafer out. You can hold on to that. And As Rachel leads in this, in this song, we're going to go back to the song we did at the beginning and says, Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And that was what I kept thinking about when I read that blog I shared at the beginning. All these people who had all of this guilt and shame, 
And they had no way, they didn't know what to do with all of that. And you have a name today. His name is Jesus. And this morning, I don't, again, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been or how far you've been from God. Today, you hold in your hands a reminder that Christ has already paid for that sin. All you have to do is accept that gift with a broken heart. And so while Rachel leads us in this song, I want to give you just a few moments to just come to God in your own personal way. You can tell him what's ever on your heart. You can confess to him whatever you need to confess or say whatever you need to say. He hears the language of the heart, even if you don't have the words. But don't miss this opportunity to let go of all of those yesterdays and take hold of the today that Jesus has for you. Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you, how grateful we are today for your amazing grace. Lord, when we read the story of the, the thief on the cross, it's, it's just so amazing. With our human eyes, we would look at the story and we'd go, well, that guy didn't deserve forgiveness. He lived his whole life the wrong way. And just in a few moments at the end of his life, he gets to make it right. Yes, he does. Because your grace doesn't weigh things with a human standard. Your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it doesn't matter whether we do that with the last breaths of our life or whether we say that at a very young and tender age. Father, your word says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so what I know, Lord, is that everyone in this room and everyone watching online is a sinner in need of the grace of God. And you are willing to forgive us all the same. We hold in our hands the evidence of your love, this little piece of bread that represents your body and this little cup of juice that represents your blood. You said, Lord, that this is the new covenant. No longer do we have to try to make ourselves right free with you, that you have done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so today, Lord, it is with humble hearts that we receive this bread and we take this juice, declaring that you alone, Lord Jesus, have the ability to forgive sins. We love you so much. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And everyone said, Amen.